It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. An extra no, yeah, oh man. Boom, it's Rusty. I'm about to make a new intro. There's some new stuff to the show and all the other shows on the network. Everything's changing some, so going to be good. So just got to make some new stuff. So in the meantime, this is what it is. You get an extra note. You guys want to go back and look up that entrance music. Uh, I don't know. You guys listen to the podcast. Or if you want to hear the whole thing, it is somewhere on my YouTube page. Don't know what it's called. It might be Rusty Diamond Entrance Music, but there could also be a number of other entrance music that I've had. So who knows? Anyhow, you guys, it's Friday. I was going to say fucking Friday is Friday. And you know what that means, don't you? Don't you know what that means? Who knows? I might. Someone might. Someone might not. Someone might think they might. Someone might think they might not. But that's what we do Fridays. So thank you, everyone, for being here on the Rusty Diamond Network. And there you go. You get that a little piece of information. So thank you so much for being here. And I'm going to bring in my special guest right here, right now. And right here, right now, we have... Clint Callahan. There he yeah. is. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Thank you. So happy to be here. Yeah, me too. It's, you know, it's Friday, whatever that means in your world. Um, I'm a Monday fan. I like it. I like it. Um, I don't know. Monday, Friday is kind of the same. Friday for me means that there's going to be more people out doing stuff that I'm not going to have. I'm gonna to have to compete with. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm good. I'm good with either Friday or Monday because Friday is the beginning of the weekend, and I get to spend more time with my kids. And Monday is the beginning of the week, and I get to go do good work. So either way, it's like you know, it's just part of life, right? I mean, right. It's just an arbitrary thing that we made up and decided that this is what this time around, this is what that 24-hour period is called. So it's like you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's like it could be called. It could be called, you know. Blurk's Day, and it would be the Ooh. same. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> Shout out to Blurk's Day 2023 here. That's so, I might uh, <laughs> be tomorrow. And, you know, who knows? It's, um, I mean, it's hard to think that just, I mean, for whatever, Friday night, Saturday, yeah. Saturday night, that's maybe like, Sunday, I don't know. Sunday, you're probably already kind of back in the swing of things. I mean, maybe there's like a 30, 36 hour period of nothing. Then the rest of the time, you just kind of dread the rest well, of this. I mean, that that also is, hard. is really, that, that also really just your perception. It's your point of view about how you view what a day is, how you view what your life is. It's all a perception of that stuff. And that's the big thing that we get so caught up in is the perception of things. 
And because of that, you know, the perception is linked to the story that we tell ourselves about our lives, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether there's stuff going on, whether there's not stuff going on. And that's part of the issue is that so much of our reality right now is shaped by outside perception of thanks to social media, thanks to, you know, thanks to social media, thanks to just connecting with friends, thanks to being stuck in echo chambers. Now, now the perception of like, let's say work, for example, right? Work right. has become this thing now where it's, oh, before it was, wow, it was awesome to work from home because, wow, I can stay in my pajamas all day. I don't got to deal with people around me. There's less chance of me getting sick. All these amazing benefits, except for the one that we forgot, which is work was one of our main social outlets that now is gone. And so now people are becoming more depressed, more anxious, more isolated, more alone. They're going to social media more, which creates the happy, happy dopamine feeling of connection. But how many of your Facebook friends could you call at 3 a.m. to help you bury a body? Probably none, right. is my guess. Which is a big thing. And I mean, uh, you always have to have, you know, one person might not be enough. Yeah. Uh, to always be on call to bury a body. You might need a second person just because. Might be a big guy. Yeah, yeah it might be a big guy or thing, things may happen that night. And, yeah. you know, what what can you do? But yeah, I mean, the, the uh, obsession of social media mm -hmm. just became huge. And yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, it was more and more of a, a personal disconnect with people, but mm -hmm. of so many people just, wanting to be in and something but then yeah i mean it turned into a shit show i like i left i yeah. mean i guess it also depends how you looked at it i, I looked yeah. at it i just saw everything just was uh ridiculous and um well, i mean there's things but there, there's there's degrees right like Without the technology we have, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation right now. And it wouldn't be a face-to-face -face conversation like we're having, right? And right. It would be a it would be this on the phone thing where you could it would be similar, but it wouldn't be the same as this. Because with this, you get to see all the nonverbal things and the way you look at stuff. And so that's an amazing advantage, but at the same time, from a psychological perspective, we are more disconnected and yet more connected than ever. We have the opportunity to connect, but we don't have the opportunity to connect, to connect in the correct way. And that's part of the issue of why so many people are now trending and going into this thing called micro burnout, which is it's you're becoming burned out, not just because of work, because when the way people think about burnout is actually wrong. Work is the last step of burnout. It's not the first step of burnout. Work is the last step of burnout. The first step of burnout all starts with you, with you, how you want to interact socially, how you want to connect with the world, how you want to connect with yourself. And that's the thing that people don't recognize is that the, the burnout piece is becoming more prevalent because before, what, who did we have to really uh, cater to, right? A group of 25 to around maybe 100 people in our general sphere of influence that we would have. Now, we have literally thousands and thousands upon hundreds of thousands of people technically with through Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all these different 
platforms that now can weigh in on how they think your life is going, which is why that curated life piece is what gets people so messed up because they're getting 0.01% of the person's real life. Maybe you got that, maybe after 65 photos, you finally got that one perfect Instagram shot or that one perfect 30 second clip that you could put out there that gets likes and all these different things. And that triggers the dopamine system to say, oh, wow, they like me. They really like me. And then you do it all over again and again and again and again. And yet when you're not doing that, it's just there's really nothing else going on in your life. You're chasing that dragon or you know, oh, yeah. what, whatever it is. And yeah. it's I, but then, I mean, yeah, you see like. The last, you know, I guess I went to a few other concerts. I've I've gone to, I went to a concert like about five years ago, and then I went to one, maybe like a year, maybe two years ago. I went to a yeah. concert, but there was that COVID gap, so we understand that. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, there there was a little <laughs> less less concert goings, and uh, I mean, but I saw so many people just on their on their phones um yeah it was odd yeah uh and i mean i make it a point that if i'm at something like that i don't because i don't know maybe i i should be but then if i really want to all i have to do is like so you know the last show i saw was what uh I, I don't know i think it was it was modest mouse in salt lake city i saw them and yeah so i mean i type in you know modest mouse salt lake city 2021 hashtag and then i can just take someone else's clip and i can just upload it and be like oh this was me this is what i did like yeah i i just feel there i mean and same with <laughs> I, I like bring this one up too with uh with dating sites and stuff is mm-hmm. it's always the the the, the fish holding yeah. the fish yeah. having the dog yeah. walk or you know up on machu picchu yeah and uh and then maybe around a baby um yeah. sometimes and so that <laughs> i mean like those are things and i just feel like i mean you can especially now with ai like that's another thing i had to go and uh i needed a headshot yeah. And like, I hate having my picture taken. Yeah. Uh, but then I found out I can go and, you know, get the AI. Yeah. I, I can get my life. picture. I can get, I can find an old picture that I like of me and then I can cut out the background and get rid of all the stuff and throw it on one of those usual kind of blurry kind of background things that they do in portrait studios and boom, I got a professional headshot just like that. Don't got to go in. doesn't matter if it's a couple of years old. No one's going to know anyway. It's not close enough to see the all the fine lines that have developed. I still look good. So it all works out. No, I get that. Well, no, now they have ones that you just go and you like upload 10 pictures that are like yeah. uh, selfies or, you know, close up. Yeah. And then it AI generates like, man. A version of you? Like 250 different pictures of you. Do it wearing like different clothes, different styles of stuff. Um, and like, I don't have any selfies of me. I don't have, I have very few pictures of me, like close so up. You took a bunch of selfies to see how I tried to, but yeah. 
taking a bunch <laughs> of selfies at like the end of the day and I my eyes are mostly closed. So like in all the pictures, I, I look hilarious, but there's one that turned out pretty well. But again, it's a picture. I didn't have to go into get the picture done anywhere. And yeah. it cost me like 30 bucks. Yeah. And I mean, it looks like me, uh, yeah. except, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference except for yeah. it looks like I'm photogenic. Yeah. Which, and you're which, like, hey, thanks. AI. I like looking photogenic. I'm good with that. Yeah, and, but, yeah, and then that's that the way, thing, right? Is that it is a big thing, though, right? That now the way that we perceive reality also is now we can't even trust our own senses anymore, right? And yep. that's another thing. It's all these different things that are piling on that are adding to our inability to trust anything. We can't trust right. the news. We can't trust. We can't trust now what we see online. We can't trust advertising. You know, we could really never trust advertising, but you know, right? right. We know they're trying to sell you something. You know, yeah. but you can't trust any of these things. And that's that's the big piece is for so many people, what people are starving for is, is is being authentic, is authenticity. Because that is, I think that's one of the reasons why podcasting has become such a such a sought after medium to, to find out and to hear things. Because it because that is one of those things, the long form interview, it's hard, it's hard to AI generate that. You, you can but it's, it's kind of hard to do that. You got to have a real conversation between two people unless you get two AI bots that talk to each other. And I guess they could do that. You give them some kind of script and stuff and there you yeah. go. So, I, I mean, I have enough interview here of of this show and the other shows I do that yeah. if I've probably fed in, you know, two or three episodes into there, it could probably go and talk as me or just as, you know, uh -huh. well as me and... But I haven't, I haven't done it yet. I haven't done it because I'm, I'm still holding on because there's, I know it's better than I am. And yeah. it's frustrating. And like I, I've talked about this before, this uh, music, it surpassed me in music. Mm -hmm. It surpassed me in writing. It mm -hmm. surpassed me in punchlines for jokes. Um, and it's just like, I feel like I can still do this one, even though I mm -hmm. know that, hey, I can do it better, but. AI I enjoy doing do this. It. AI can do it, but it still takes the knowledge of the person to decide if it's good or not. That's the thing. Right. It's still just a tool because, you know, it's just like saying, you know, you know a, a skill saw can cut a board better than I can with a hand saw, but it doesn't mean that it's going to cut it the exact way that I want if it wants, if I want some detailing or stuff, because then I need to have the skill to do that extra stuff. And that's a piece of it is that, Everyone thinks, well, AI is going to take over and do all this stuff. And I've, I've heard that. And I'm like, I don't think so. Because right now, it's still a tool that we can use as a launch board to get to that next step to maybe save ourselves 30, 40 minutes, 50 minutes, an hour or so. But we still have to go through and read it and go, does this sound like me? Does this make sense? How would I tweak this? What would I have actually said in this kind of scenario to where yeah. now, yeah, you wrote this thing and it took you... It takes you like three minutes on an AI, but then you spend 20 minutes editing it. And then you say, okay, now check for grammar and punctuation. And then there you go. And it's like, okay, well, I did write that because I edited it and changed it and added my own voice and mixed in and did all these things. Just like with music, right? You have to do that with music as well, because it's another kind of type of language. And that's the yeah. piece is that for so many people, they're so in fear of what's coming next, instead of looking at it as the thing that can actually 
free up time to then pursue things that you want to do, to give us that freedom, to give us the ability to slow down, to take a breath, to not have to be on 24-7, 365, because that is another thing that social media has done to the human population is, I remember when I was starting out as a therapist, I was on call like once a month. And the one week every month when I was on call, that seven day period of me having to be alert and ready to go at a moment's notice was the worst week every month. The days leading up to it were miserable. The days, you that one week took about 10 days to wind up and wind down from. And it yep. was exhausting because I had to be alert and aware and on for you know seven days straight. And so when that happens, and now we have that with all the apps and notifications and emails and all the things that they can reach us 24-7, unless we say, no, this is my boundary. At eight o'clock every night, my phone goes into sleep mode. Yep. And Nobody no, can I, reach me. I unless have it's that... an emergency where they call me twice in 15 minutes and I tell them that. That's the only time they can reach me. Other than that, I don't care. I'll deal with it tomorrow. I need yeah. this time away. And that's what we, right. a lot of us don't do because let's face it, scrolling on Facebook, scrolling on Instagram, playing mobile games, doing those kind of things, eat up time so fast and pings all the right reward centers in our brain that it's enjoyable. But what did you really get out of that? <laughs> yeah. What What do you have at the end of the day? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, like I that was something three else. hours playing a video game. Wow. That's uh, okay. What else could I have done in about three hours? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, easily, easily anything else. And mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, like just going back to um, during the shutdown, like so many people mm -hmm. spent time just scrolling and mm -hmm. putting their two cents in about everything. Mm -hmm. But how many people went out and did something yeah. productive or even like if it's something online, made, made some... Yeah. You know, I have uh, some friends that took that time during it and, yeah. you know, made some whatever social media stuff, mm -hmm. you know, do do things for them. And, oh, yeah, so many people are just sitting there just, oh, I got to yeah. find this this right thing is going to. I mean, and that's and, the thing, though, is also when it comes to social media, it, it, it's it's the uh, slot, it's the uh, slot machine algorithm, right? So, you know, you, you go on there and maybe the first thing is the thing you were thinking about and looking for, and then that freaks you out, or maybe it's the fifth thing and that doesn't freak you out as much. And then you just, you go back in and out and every time you go in and out, a new thing pops up and it's amazing how much it knows your viewing habits and how much it can, it can kind of calculate what you're thinking about. And it's kind of freaky sometimes when you're doing that. And it's like, you know, when you're, having that conversation about something and then 30 minutes later, it starts showing up as ads all over your phone or all over your, your different Facebook posts and those kind of things. And you're like, great. Now I know my phone's listening to me. And yeah. it's like, maybe it is, maybe it's not. We don't know. I mean, yeah, it could also just be, I forgot what it, the, um, the thing is called where when you learn about something and mm -hmm. all of a sudden you start seeing it everywhere. Yes, yeah. I the, don't uh, remember what is the that name. Effect? No, no, I know. No, I know the word you're talking about. I can't think of it though. But it basically is that effect where it's like it's like when you get a car, and all of a sudden now you see that car everywhere, and it's like, right. how did that happen? 
what what is going on? There wasn't this many of this kind of car before. Really, why not? You, you thought they only made that one car for you? No, that's not the way it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I remember one of my uh, first cars I had, then like everyone ended up, I saw it everywhere. Everyone had that car and yeah. just like, okay. But I, I, well, I wouldn't have noticed had I not had that car. And yeah. But they, the car still would have been there. I just wouldn't have been one of the people driving them. And I mean, yeah, yeah now, now I'm... that's the thing, right? But it's also the thing, like when you think about social media and stuff, it's the same thing. Only now they take it to the next level because now there's an algorithm that matches you with all these different people and all the different people that have similar interests to you that are really some have really similar interests to you. And then you get sort of get you start getting kind of funneled into these very specific groups and these very specific interests and all this different stuff which then kind of which then you kind of you kind of just go with it because it's one less thing you have to think about it's one less thing you have to worry about but at the same time it's also dangerous because then that removes like you know that critical thinking piece of going what do i want to do today you know right. and it's yeah and, and like you were saying too earlier, you mentioned echo chamber. Do you think that causes mm -hmm. an echo chamber effect mm -hmm. with that? Like always getting what you want and like you're not having, it's not, it's not bringing up stuff to mm -hmm. um, really like challenge your, your way of thinking. It's just sort mm -hmm. of feeding into it. And yeah. I mean. And that's one of the biggest problems that we have in the world today, especially in the United States right now, is that we get stuck in these echo chambers to where before you could have a conversation with someone and agree to disagree and still be friendly and still be on good terms. But now, because we have so many echo chambers that match what we believe and think pretty much 99% of the time, when we run across someone that has a different viewpoint than us, we, can, we then tend to say, well, I don't need to talk to you because... I don't want, because I don't want you to, I don't want to have this conversation because I don't need this conversation because I already know what my position is and I'm not going to change my position. Well, right. how do you change your position? Well, you change it through discourse. You change it through conversation. You change it through different ways of looking at things. Like, like the thing I've been working on lately is I've been trying to help people understand what burnout actually is versus what everybody thinks burnout is. I'm trying to change the narrative around what burnout is because everybody thinks it's this. It's the, you are working too hard. So if you take a vacation, if you do these different things, you take a vacation, you take a day off, you take a couple of days off, you do these things, you'll be okay. And you can continue along your way. And what burnout right. actually is, is it's basically the end result of a long-term systematic collapse of you being consistently exhausted and fried in all areas of your life where you're 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 literally you're literally having trouble making choices it's decision fatigue it's like okay what do i want to eat tonight okay now i got to make a menu for the next seven days and figure out what i'm going to eat the next seven days or i'm going to have for breakfast every day or i'm going to have for lunch every day or what i'm going to wear every day so if the beginning process of it is really decision fatigue and then that feeds into you not wanting to make decisions, which means you want to pull away from people because why do you want to pull away from people? Well, because they're going to have questions about stuff. Well, why do you want to do this? What do you think about that? Do you want to go do these things too? And you're like, I don't know. I don't want to talk about it. I am tired of thinking. 
can someone just please tell me what to do? Because I got to think all day long and I don't want to anymore. And that's the danger we're in because we have so much access to information that we're literally drowning in it. There's too much. That's why people rarely go beyond the first three answers on Google. <laughs> because you're like, if it's not the first three answers, then obviously it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, nobody's paying for those top three answers to be there. Oh, no, on the of top, course not. They would never do that. Google. Yeah. Now there's oh, no, yeah. there's no. You, you never see that little thing in the thing that says advertisement. No, no, not at all. Right. Yeah. They're, they're not paying for it. <laughs> no, uh, no, no. <laughs> no I, man, I, I used to do that. I think I, I've told this on here before. Um, for a very short while, I used to call up realtors uh, mm -hmm. to. So, yeah, it, it was. They had like. It was all over the country, but. Yeah. For some reason, like they, they, if you had some sort of accent that sounded like something, they'd be like, okay, mm -hmm. you can go and, you know, maybe you'll appeal to these people. So okay. I got South Dakota, which whatever, whatever the hell a South Dakota accent is, I don't know. But I, I, was, I actually am a South Dakota accent. So, okay. I'm originally I, from South Dakota. That That's where I grew up. So the South Dakota no, accent, okay. it's, it's that Midwest accent where it's about as vanilla as you can get with just a little bit of Canadian mixed in to where you tend to elongate your O's, you tend to elongate your A's, you tend to do those kind of things, but not to the point that Canadians do. So it's that kind of really vanilla, kind of calming, kind of relaxing, kind of, it's, you, you know, you're not from New York. You can tell you're not from New York. You're not from the South. You can tell you're not from the South. It's basically the sound, it's basically the way newscasters are taught to do dictation, to do diction, is to have that kind of thing. And so, when you're used to the news not being really regional, but having just that newscaster voice, that's why they say that because it's that stuff. I have a my sister-in-law was a was an was an on-air news reporter, and she'd come in and I'd, I'd talk with her. I'd watch her on the news and I'd talk to her in person. And it's like a totally different vocal pattern. Right? I mean, it was like she was a totally different people, like two different people. And yeah. so when I talk with her and I'd watch her on the news, I'd be like. Did they like have just South Dakotans come in and just talk to you? People from the Midwest teach you how to say words. She's like, actually, yes. And that's what they did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, everyone kind of has that same sort of same sort of talk then. Yeah. And so then wh where were you? Uh, did you grow up in South Dakota then? or I grew up in the Black Hills. Yeah, I grew up, I grew up in Rapid City. So, okay. Um, so, yeah. Follow-up question. Sure. Uh, so... In Minnesota, so mm -hmm. this morning I was at a place and they had like a, a, a duck on the front of the door. And I said that in, in Minnesota, the game Duck, Duck, Goose is Duck, Duck, Gray Duck. Is Duck, Duck, Gray Duck the same in South Dakota or is nope, it Duck, that, Duck, Goose? No, is it just no, Minnesota? That's a straight Minnesota thing. Because that, that's the interesting thing, right? Is also, it's like one thing I've learned from living in different states and moving around is that the things that most people think are of common sense is actually it's it's state specific, uh, area specific in that state, city specific in that state, <laughs> neighborhood specific there, and then family specific, and that's what common sense is. It's this really drilled down version of this is what people think is common sense, and yet when you go talk to other people about it, they're like, what do you mean that's common sense? How does how is that common sense? Well, if you didn't grow up like let's say 
So I grew up in South Dakota where when it got to like, you know, negative, you know, 30 degrees during the winter and a whole bunch of snow, you always make sure that when you go out, that when you go out, the first thing you do is you heat up your car 20 minutes ahead of time. Did you have you a remote sure you, starter? Yeah. No, 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 no. They didn't have remote starts back then. You had to go out, brush all the snow off, yeah. get in the car, turn it on, hope that you had, hope that your battery was good <laughs> enough, that it had enough cold cranking amps to start that thing. And then you just crank that heater on high, shut the door and you leave. Yeah, and, and, and hopefully don't and shatter the windshield. And, and basically what you do is you check outside while you're eating breakfast to see if the snow is melting off the windshield so that you yep. can know that way you know it's warm enough that you can get in and you're not going to freeze to death driving to school or work or wherever you're going. But yeah. for people that don't live in that kind of climate, the thought of that is like, that's ridiculous. Why would you waste 20 minutes worth of gas? Well, if you've ever driven around in a negative 30 degree weather, and you're in there and you don't want to have to wear like a super heavy jacket and gloves and a scarf and a hat and all that stuff just to be in your car. Right. You wouldn't think you wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense to you. You'd be like, why, why would you carry around giant bags of salt in the back of your trunk? Well, you do that because it adds to the traction. It adds to the weight. So you have better traction on the roads when there's ice. Most people wouldn't think that. And you can also use it to de-ice your car if you need to. It's not good yeah. on the paint. I wouldn't recommend it, but you know, you can't. <laughs> you you should have seen my uh, I had a I bought a van there um, in Minnesota yeah. and like man the 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 rust on it they like the whole the whole like side panel probably about like you know yep. a foot or two just completely eroded yep. away and yeah, oh, man. Had to get, you had to sand and salt the roads yeah so people wouldn't get in car accidents and end up in ditches <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. So I, I'm from Portland, Oregon, pretty much, and uh, I mean, they they would not sand. There was no sanding, or they, I think they could sand, but they couldn't uh, salt the road mm -hmm. because of environmental whatever. Yeah. But man, it, it runs shut off down into the ocean and into the water stuff. I'm sure it did that in South Dakota, but they just don't care. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's something you got to do. Like when I right. moved to Minnesota, I thought that I was going to be you know stuck like i was thinking like in oregon like i'd be stuck inside for six months and that's how i started yeah. doing uh zoom uh yeah. calls instead of having an office i'm like i don't want to drive to an office but then there was only one day the whole time i was living there where i couldn't drive yeah um every other day was like it's it's life yeah they they figure yeah it's like yeah we we when you grow up in the arctic it's like okay you know, it's like for my kids here in Colorado, like I, you know, they, they're like, oh, okay, well, there's going to be a lot of snow and it's going to be really cold. And I'm like, okay, what, what does that mean? Well, it's going to get down to like 10. And I'm like, oh, and how much snow are we talking? Oh, about a foot. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, when I grew up, it was basically, if it wasn't like, you know, negative 15 below, and it wasn't snow that you literally couldn't open your garage doors or get out of your doors because it was literally two to three feet of snow. You're still going to school. Don't care if you got to walk. Don't care if you got to. Don't care if you got to hook up a snow plow in front of your car to get there. You're you're gonna go. And it, yeah. so I'm like, well, I'm like, this is, I love living here. It's the most mild winter I've ever lived in. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, yeah, you got the high desert too, uh, somewhere up there, I assume. And I mean, that's. Oh yeah, yeah. I I do miss that. Uh, yeah, living in uh, Utah, that high desert man is That's great. Yeah, 
it's but you know that i liked i liked the the midwest though too the the or like i don't know if you'd call what would you call like south dakota and minnesota i maybe mid midwest they're they're the mid they're the, they're part of the midwest but also it depends like minnesota is also more the great lakes area too it just depends i mean there's there's debate among even people from there like i say i'm from the midwest but other people are like another and i'm like you know, if you're from Colorado, I'm like, you're from the Midwest. And they're like, no, no, I'm from the front range. And I'm like, okay. You know, everyone, everyone, it's again, it's that specific thing that you're told. So yeah. I don't know, my kids are going to probably say they're from the front range. And I'm going to be like, no, you're from the Midwest. You're and you know, you're in Colorado. You're in, you know, Colorado, South Dakota, North Dakota, you know, Kansas, uh, that area is kind of the Midwest. Those are like, that's more than Wyoming. That stuff is more the Midwest area, but it just depends on again, where you grew up and what, what you were told. Again, it's that perception thing. Perception is right. generally, you were told this and you believe that this to be true. And so until someone tells you it's not true, and even when they tell you it's not true, you may still not believe them. <laughs> it's that kind of thing. Then why are we afraid to have that challenge to our beliefs then? what why, what What is that? I mean, that's yeah. kind of the same thing with wanting the echo chamber yeah. of wanting everyone to tell you you're you're right and any other mm -hmm. way of thinking is wrong yeah well that really comes back to it's it's fear it's and it's not the it, it's the combination of biological fear and also psychological fear because fear is two different things it's people don't recognize that when they think of fear they think of fear as just one one unified thing but fear always starts in the body that fear story that we have which has been passed down to us generationally for and for our entire existence until we became this version of ourselves about 250,000 years ago it's the fear story because we've been prey pretty much up until about the last 5,000 years or so 6,000 years or so at least according to written history because I don't know anything before that I haven't figured out a time machine yet working right. on that in my basement not yet yeah yeah right no, but but it's those kind of things that with that fear story. So the biological fear piece is it's that's the adrenal system. That's the that's the parasympathetic nervous system that gets fired off when something as innocuous as your boss saying, hey, I'd like you to come in and have a conversation tomorrow. Immediately, your brain starts going, your body starts going, OK, this person has the power to fire me. This person has the power to make me lose my income which means that if I lose my income, I lose my house. And if I lose my house, then I'm probably going to lose my girlfriend, my boyfriend, my significant other, my husband, my wife, my kids, they're going to leave me. And then that means other bad stuff is going to happen and I'm going to end up dead under a bridge in a week. And it's like, whoa, that happens really fast. But that's the biological fear piece because the biological fear piece is survival. That's what it is. It's that survival thing. And for human beings, survival is fear of the unknown. So if you're talking to somebody and they're saying something that goes against what you believe or what you hold to be true, that now is pushing you into this unknown feeling and this unknown thought. And then that fear then dumps cortisol, adrenaline, neuroepinephrine, all these different things into your body that gets you ready to fight or flee or freeze or fold. And then and also that at that point, you're not allowed to take in any new information. Nope. Because you're just all in flight or flight, you are fight ready, or flight mode. Yeah, you are ready to, because the only information you take in is everything around me is now danger. 
because there's unknown stuff. So everything around me is now danger. And then, so then the story in your brain jumps onto that. Oh yeah, everything is dangerous. That person in front of you is dangerous because they don't believe what you believe. Therefore, they are bad and they need to be X, Y, Z, taught a lesson, told off. You need to never speak to them again. Whatever it is that your primary thing that you do is, you then start to think that way and act that way. It becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy. So for most people, what they don't recognize and what they need to recognize is that the place to start is in your body. If you can control your body, which is 80% of you, Feelings and thoughts and fear is not in your head. It literally starts in your body. All the stuff starts in your body. And it always starts with the fear story. So if you can get control of how your heart's beating, how your lungs are breathing, how your body is producing this stuff, it will change the way that you interact with everybody. And it's actually a pretty simple process. It takes about five minutes. That's what I teach most people. And I'll teach you right now. It's really pretty simple. So the first thing you do is you do a technique called box breathing. So what box breathing is, is you take a deep breath in and you hold it for four seconds. You then breathe out for four seconds and you hold that empty for four seconds and then you breathe back in for four seconds. And then you do that four times. What that does is it tells the biological fear response, stop. There's no physical danger because the way your body wants you to react when you're in the biological fear response is, a tiger is going to eat me, so I need to get ready to fight or run. And when you're ready to fight or run, your breathing becomes super shallow because you're trying to really oxygenate your body. The adrenaline is dumping and flowing and all those things. And so by changing your breath, you're telling your body because it's, it's the only fully automated system in our body that we can actually control at any point in time whenever we want to. And so by changing your breath, that starts the process. And then the second thing you do is you look at the story. What is your brain telling you right now? Literally write out all the insanity that's running around inside your head because you're, the story in your brain is telling you this thing that is going to cause you harm. But yet when you write it out and you see it, you're like, that is insane. This person, like let's say, so you're, let's use the boss example. So you get the email from your boss. You're now in, your body's in fight or flight mode. And the story is, you know what? I don't need this job. I'm going to go tell my boss off because they're, they're, they have no right to think about me the way they're thinking about me. But really, what did they say? I would like to talk to you tomorrow. You don't know what they're thinking about you. You have zero idea. But your brain, says, your brain says, oh, no, they're going to fire me. I did all the bad stuff. They don't want me. So by writing out the story that you're telling yourself, you're now diffusing the bomb on a second level. Then you go and you do some light exercise, do some power walking, go do some push-ups against a wall, do some quick sit-ups. Go do something to change where that adrenaline that's been dumped into your body to your arms and legs where it belongs. Because when it stays in your stomach and your heart, your lungs and your brain, it creates that anxiety and paralytic effect where then you get analysis paralysis. You get analysis paralysis. You get all these different things that happen. And the thing about adrenaline in the human brain, which I think is so fascinating, is adrenaline in your brain speeds up your brain so you think faster. 
But then what that does is it creates a time dilation effect on how you observe the world. So for every one second going by, your brain is interpreting it as eight to 10 seconds because now the world is moving so much slower because your brain is moving so much faster. And why would that be important if a tiger is trying to attack you? Well, if the world slows down, now you got a little bit quicker reflexes. Maybe you can duck and dodge and move and shift and not makes perfect yeah. sense, right? And then right. the next thing you do after you breathe and write and do little exercises, you go back and read what you wrote. If you go back and read what you write and you still believe it, if you scale a one to five, if it's three or above, do it again. Breathe some more, write some more, exercise a bit more, do it again. So doing it two times should take you no more than 10 minutes, but that 10 minutes will change the way that you're viewing the story instead of getting stuck in that story of fear that will then make you then start to act in a way to make it true. And that's the stuff that people don't like to hear. You're the cause of your own suffering because you're allowing your fear to dictate your actions. And then that, because it's a formula. It's thoughts plus feelings equals actions or reactions. But guess what? On the other side of that formula, the action and reaction, usually there's another person when that's going on. And then that gives them thoughts and feelings. And then they have an action or reaction. And now you're stuck in a cycle where you're both acting and reacting based on this faulty fear story information. And Fun, that's, right? Yeah, that's when <laughs> there's a lot of uncertainty, even more uncertainty than what, what you would have yeah. had then. And yeah, you got people just acting on adrenaline, making dumb decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What well, you going to do? Because our, our bodies are still designed for 150,000, 150,000, 20,000 years ago when we lived in groups of 25 to 100 people where you literally knew everybody. Everybody had a role. Everybody had a place. Everybody had something going on. We are still in that mindset or because our biology takes forever to change. And so if you really think about it, I, I love telling people this because it makes them, because they're like, that's crazy. It's like, if you think about the way the world is gone, and especially in America, it's okay. America was, you know, founded, you know, when we showed up and we did all the stuff and all the things, let's say 300 years ago. So in that 300 years, for the first about 200 years was struggle, fight for survival, uh, disease, death, famine, lack of all the stuff, right? right? And then we started coming together and building these cities and doing these things. So that's so that so in the last 120 years, industrial revolution, computer revolution, smartphone revolution, applications, and now we have one day delivery. Or same day we, sometimes. Or same day. So we are literally living in an age where our brain is still telling us if I do something wrong and I get kicked out of a tribe, I am going to physically die. And so our body tells us we need to act on that. But in reality, I could not leave my office for the rest of my life and still make a living, still have food delivered to the door and never leave this office again as long as I have money to pay for things. It wouldn't really smell good in here, and I probably would yeah. not be look very good. Like maybe maybe a barber could show up occasionally at the door. I don't know. There's probably that out there somewhere, 
but that's no, the thing. It totally right? is. Yeah. We are our bodies go in control from caveman times, from from you know, planes and small group times. So that's what we are still, that's the operating system we're still running off of in this, in, in this the 21st century, which is why we still have the same conflicts and the same things and the same fears, because that's what we're running off of. But really what I've learned in being a therapist and being a life coach and being alive for 47 years is a pretty simple thing. We're all making it up as we go along. Nobody actually has the answer. All you can do is recognize that we all want the same things, which is safety and security for the people that we love. That's it. That's life in a nutshell. If you can learn to navigate those three things successfully, it's amazing. But we keep getting stuck up here on the feeling side of our brain, and it causes all that self-fulfilling prophecy stuff that leads us down those roads where we're like, man, when I look back on that, what was I thinking? Why did I do that? How could I have ever thought that that was a good idea? I mean, you know, it's just like looking at yourself in uh, in middle school and elementary school and high school pictures. Like, really? That was my fashion choice? Why did my parents let me do that to myself? And it's like, well, they let you do that because they wanted you to express yourself. And you look yeah. back now and you're like, that was a very bad expression. <laughs> yeah. And now I look at myself and I'm wearing almost the same same things that I was wearing then. <laughs> so now I got to make those uh, choices on my own. But that's right. So I mean, so if anyone's then it was wanting to you know change what they're doing, change their lives, and how are they going to get a hold of you? How are they going to find you? Sure. Uh, how are they even going to find something else that maybe they can look at uh, yeah. of some yeah. sort? Yes, yes. Well, I also have I have a book out. It's basically on how to beat burnout in 15 minutes a day. Um, and you can find it on Amazon. And you can also find it on my website at smallchangesbigimpact.net. And the, the links will have all the links. And really, it's just to remind yourself that burnout is not what you think it is. It's more of a systemic thing in your life. It's not just about work. But what it does is it teaches you really practical tools to help you change the way you want to live your life in 15 minutes a day, because like I, like I said in the episode, you do this thing for five minutes, it'll, it'll be amazed at just doing that one breathing technique when you start to feel anxious will change the way you react to things. And you can also, of course, find me on the all the wonderful stuff we talked about on Facebook and Instagram <laughs> at small changes, big impact, the number dot, the number four and the letter U. But so now I look forward to having a conversation with anybody. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone should. And I have, I have a quick follow-up here. Uh, yeah. So when uh, you need somebody to try out the method, the mm -hmm. uh, what what do you say to them? You, you just like if someone's getting, mm -hmm. like uh, let, let's say, you know, you're, you're having a, a fight with somebody and you're like, hey, yeah. Why don't you just calm down for a minute and try this? Is there a... no, no, never say why don't you just calm <laughs> I mean that down that, that usually works pretty well most no, any no, no, time. No, no, unless you want to get punched in the face, probably yeah. don't say that. Yeah. But what you can do is you can say, "Hey, I learned." You can, you know, it's like, "Hey, you know, let's take a break. Let's step back." You know, I, I think timeouts are great. I, I'm a big fan of timeouts whenever you're having stuff between people. It's like, "Hey, let's just take a quick step back and take a breath." So you take a step back and you take a breath and you 
And then you go through the thing and they'll see you doing it and they'll be like, what are you doing? And you just kind of explain it to them because then they're going to be curious and they're not going to be angry because they're going to be like, why are you breathing like that? Why why are you jotting stuff down? What, why why are you doing jumping jacks? That, that, what, what are you doing right now? And so you explain that to them and they're like, oh, that makes sense. And that that's a piece of it is it's really just about getting people to understand that if we can take a step back and just take a breath, even just stopping and just saying, you know, I don't want to be a part of this conversation right now. I need to calm down too. I'm going to take a step back. I'll come back and talk to you in X time. Yeah. And just do that. And that's one of the simplest ways to get out of it and to not get into these confrontational situations that trigger this. But here's the thing. We're all going to be triggered in some way, but learning how to manage your body will change the story in your head because it's not going to then be fueled by adrenaline, which is basically telling you you're going to die right now or you're going to die in a week. So just remind right. yourself that the programming says we're all going to die in about 30 seconds from some kind of wild animal. That's what's still going on. And that's not the case. Yeah. So I, I think that's a good thing to remember for anyone who's listening. So Clint, thank you so much for being on and getting to meet you and talk with you and make it, make my job easy uh, for what I do. So thank you so okay. much. Thank you for having me. I hope, I hope everybody learned something and, you know, it's just, I enjoy this stuff. It's fun. I've always yeah. loved getting into the human brain because the things we tell ourselves make me laugh because I still do the same things. And I'm, I'm a professional in this. And that's what makes yep. me laugh is I still do it. And I've been teaching this and living this for 47 years. And it's like, seriously, really? I still can't get over my own biological programming. Nope. Nope. But, but you're realizing it better. I've learned how to adapt better. Yep. Hope you have a good time. It was really great you, talking with you. You too, bud. All right. That's Clint. Blake. Yeah, I was going to. That is Clint Callahan. I uh, I was watching Jeopardy yesterday and Cliff Clavin came up as one of the answers. In, or not one of the answers. Someone wrote it on the thing during Final Jeopardy. So that was in my head. So alliteration. Clint Callahan. Thank you, Clint Callahan. So you guys, thank you everyone for listening here on the old Rusty Diamond Network. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. And if it's a weekend, whatever, you know, make every day a weekend. But that is the show. Man. You know it is. Boom! It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker! Rusty Diamond Motherfucker